dangerous exchange. Dangerous exchange. When I was growing up, I had a Nissan Datsun pickup truck. And it was painted maroon. And I remember one night I decided I was going to sneak out the house to hang out with my friends. So I snuck out the window and got to my Nissan Datsun pickup truck. And I grew up learning how to drive a standard. And so what I did is I didn't want my parents to hear the car start or see the lights come on. So I put it in neutral. And we lived on a little incline, little hill. I know you didn't know your pastor was mischievous like that, did you, huh? But, and I, I pushed it down the hill a little bit, got down the road and started it and drove off and hung out with my friends. Now, now when I decided to come back home, I thought I cannot park in front of the house because if I do, they may hear the engine or see the lights and I'm busted. So I just started to park, decided to park across the street. About 10 yards across the street was, was a, a car wash. We just lived right across the street from a car wash. And it had three bays in the car wash. And so I decided I was going to pull my pickup truck in the, in the car wash and then snuck back in the window and thought tomorrow morning I'll go out and, and move my car back real quick before anybody else wakes up. Well, the next morning I overslept. And I had a rude awakening. My dad comes in my room. He hardly ever did this on a Saturday. And he said, hey, Herbert, come on, let's go and take care of the cows. We owned cattle back then. And, and he said, let's take care of the cows. And so I got out the, oh, no, I forgot to move my truck. And I'm thinking, oh, man, as I'm getting dressed, man, I'm hoping that dad does not notice that my truck is not in the yard. And we get out to the car, and, and we get in his truck, and we're driving, and, and just we, we get to the stop sign right by our house. And now, now you, can't see, you can't see my cars parked there because the bay's in the way. But if we, as we turn left, I need my dad to be looking right, talking to me. Because if he looks left, he's going to see that truck. Well, my dad turns left, and he glances, and he says, that's your truck over there. He said, why is your truck parked over there? How's your truck get over? How's your truck get over there? And who ever said this before? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know how the truck got on. I don't know what happened, you know. And I, yeah. Did you did you go somewhere last night? No, I don't know how that truck got over there. I think we've all been in a situation where we have exchanged our integrity for compromise. Maybe it was like I did. Maybe you've, you've lied or, or maybe you made something seem better than what it really was. Or maybe you made something seem worse than it really was. You, you were painting a picture to, to someone and you wanted them to think something and, and painting an inaccurate picture. It was some deception. Maybe it was cheating on a test or or maybe you, you fudged the numbers. And what I want to deal with at the beginning of this message is, why do we exchange integrity for compromise? What, what leads us to do this? What, 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 what entices us to do this? And you're going to discover as I teach today, there are really some very common traps that lead us, that entice us, to make these dangerous exchanges. And I want to begin the message by, by looking at four 
common traps. I, I really want to encourage you to get a pen, get some paper, or, or get your phone and take some notes. I'm going to give you some information today that's going to really help your life. You'll be able to use it with your, your, your family. You'll be able to use it with your children, your grandchildren. You can use this at work. You can use it at school. We're going to dive in. I want to give you four common integrity traps. And, and we're, today we're going to look and examine the story in Daniel chapter number three. And there was a, a king named Nebuchadnezzar. He was the king of Babylon. And what's happening here is he, he has invaded Israel and has taken the Israelites captive and brought them into exile back to Babylon. And in this story, it's about three Hebrew boys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and the king, who's a, who's a bit deranged, a bit cuckoo. He, he tells everybody in the nation, I'm building this golden image and you're going to worship it. And he builds this 90 feet tall golden image that was nine feet wide. And he tells the nation, when the music plays, I want everybody to bow down and worship this golden image. That's your God. And then he says this to them. He says, listen to me, if you don't bow down, I'm going to throw you into the burning furnace. I'm going to throw you in fire. Hello. It just got real, somebody. How many know what I'm talking about, huh? When you're going to get thrown in the fire, it's real. And what I want you to see in this story is four common traps that were, that, that were enticing, that were trying to lure Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into exchanging their integrity for compromise. And friends, these same traps get set for each of us. Let's look at these today. Traps that cause us, that entice us to exchange our integrity for compromise. Number one is this. It will cost me something. It will cost me something. The first trap Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to avoid was the it will cost me something trap. You see, if they did not bow down to this golden image, it was going to cost them something very important. Notice in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 6, it says, whoever does not fall down and worship immediately be, will, will, be, will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. I want you to notice that it was going to cost them their very life. It was going to cost them their life if they didn't bow down and worship this golden image. I'm talking about a big trap. Now, it won't always be something this dramatic for you and I. It will probably be something more subtle. Maybe it's a business deal or a sale and you're thinking to yourself, I've got to compromise my integrity, or I don't think the business deal will happen. I don't think the sale will go through. And so you just start thinking to yourself, I, I've got to compromise. I, I can't keep my integrity in this situation. I, I have to fudge the numbers a little bit, or it, it might cost me the deal. It, it might cost me the sale or, or the trap of it, it, it will cost you something may show up in another area of your life. Maybe it's at your workplace or, or with your family or, or with your finances or, or with your friends, and you're thinking, I've got to compromise because if I don't, it will cost me something with my family. It will cost me something with my friends. It, it will cost me something in my finances. And you're thinking, I've got to compromise. 
It's a trap that a lot of people fall into. It's the trap of it will cost me something. Number two is this. There's a second trap, and that is everybody is doing it. Everybody is doing it. The second trap is everybody is doing it, so I have to do it. Notice this in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 7. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations of peoples of language, of every language, fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. This is such an enticing trap. Everybody else in the nation is bowing down and worshiping this golden image. Everybody is doing it. And we have to beware of this kind of thinking, that everybody is doing it, so I have to do it. And we're all faced with it. Perhaps it's at work and you're thinking to yourself, everybody's doing it. Or everybody in my family's doing it. All of my friends are doing it. Everybody I know is doing it. It's a trap. You have to beware of this kind of thinking because it will entice you to exchange your integrity for compromise. Trap number three, I want you to see a a third trap, and that is, what will people think about me? Notice this in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 13. It says, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. The Bible says the king was furious. The king was enraged, and he brought them before him, and he was saying, did you not bow down? Why why didn't you bow down? And, And the king is angry. He's upset with them. And at this point, it's easy to think, we got to stay on his good side. We can't have the king of Babylon upset with us. We need him thinking well of us. Hey, guys, hey, guys, this time, let's compromise. And this third trap is something many people fall into. Well, what will people think about me? What will they say? Well, I really do need to compromise because I need them thinking well of me, and we exchange our integrity for compromise Trap number four. Here's a fourth trap I want you to see, and that is no one will find out. No one will find out. Notice in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 14. It says, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true? He poses a question. Check this out. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? And when the king asked this question, when when he posed this question, is it true? Because I wasn't there, fellas. So I want to know, is it true that you didn't bow down and worship the golden image? It would have been easy for those guys at this very moment to think to themselves, you know what? He'll never find out. Let's just, let's just lie. Let's just cover things up. We can keep this from him. Mr. King, we don't know what you're talking about. We bow down. They got the wrong people. He'll never find out. We'll just, we'll just lie. King, that wasn't us. And they could have so easily fell into the trap of no one will know. And a lot of people fall into this trap. A lot of people compromise their integrity because they think no one will know. No one will find out. It'll just be my secret. And it entices us. It allures us into and a dangerous exchange, exchanging our integrity for compromise. And 
And I want you to see, I want you to see three things. As we look at their response to these traps, we're going to notice three things. What I'm giving you right now is a character study on integrity that you can use in a lot of places that you can now teach other people. Uh, and it, uh, this is powerful as we look at three things people of integrity do not do. Check this out. Three things people of integrity do not do. Number one is this. People of integrity do not have anything to defend. People of integrity do not have anything to defend. Notice in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. You see, the first thing I want you to see is that a person of integrity has nothing to defend. The first thing out of their mouth when the king is threatening them, when the king is is attacking them and trying to put fear in them. The first thing out of their mouth is, Mr. King, we don't need to defend ourselves in this matter. They did not feel the need to defend themselves. Now, let me just add this. There's, there, there's nothing wrong with explaining yourself or, or giving your perspective or vantage point on a situation But what I've learned throughout the years is that defensiveness is oftentimes a characteristic of a compromised heart. Defensiveness is oftentimes a characteristic of a compromised heart. Have you ever been around somebody who's just defensive all the time? You ask him one question. Well, why are you asking me that? No, I didn't do it. What are you talking about? Why are you asking? I didn't even say you did it. Why are you so mad? Why are you so furious? Why are you so defensive? And you're thinking to yourself, what is going on with this person? But oftentimes, defensiveness is a sign of a compromised heart. Because friends, people of integrity, they don't have to defend themselves. There's no need to defend themselves. They don't have to take this defensive posture. They they think, I've done nothing wrong. I'm honoring God. I've made the right decision. I have nothing to defend. Mr. King, we have nothing to defend in this matter. I want you to see a second thing people of integrity do not do. Number two, people of integrity do not compromise regardless of the outcome. Check this out in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 17. It says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. You see, a person of integrity does not compromise their faith in God, regardless of the outcome. It it doesn't matter how it turns out. People of integrity don't compromise their biblical values. They, They don't compromise their faith in God. And these three Hebrew boys said, we believe that God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to worship your gods. We're not worshiping that golden image. Because no matter what, He's still God. No matter what, you're not God. No matter what, that golden image is not God. And even if things don't turn out like we want them to, and even if things don't turn out like we think they should, we will maintain our integrity. 
Because integrity means having faith in God and doing the right thing regardless of the outcome. Friends, we can't exchange our integrity for what appears to be a better outcome because it's really a dangerous exchange. Don't exchange your integrity for what appears to be a better outcome. Number three is this. People of integrity do not compromise regardless of the opinions of people. They don't compromise regardless of the opinions of people. Notice this in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. His opinion toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. How many know this man's crazy? Turn it hotter! It's like, man, you are crazy. Notice verse 20. And commanded some of the strongest soldiers in this army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. Friends, people of integrity don't exchange their integrity to please people. The, the king was furious. He's changed his opinion about them. He had a favorable opinion about them. Now he's changed his opinion about them because they won't worship this golden image. Friends, can I tell you, I'd rather get in trouble with the king than be in trouble with God. And they decided we'd rather be in trouble with the king than have trouble with God. And integrity means this. Integrity means that we're God-pleasers more than we're people-pleasers. And I like to please people. I want you to be happy. I want my wife to be happy. I want my kids happy. I want my staff happy. I want, I want people to be happy, but not at the expense of not pleasing God. And if you're not careful, you'll become a people pleaser instead of a God pleaser and compromise your integrity. I even think about water baptism coming up on September the 10th. Listen, don't allow, allow being a people pleaser stop you from pleasing God. What will people think? What will they say? I don't like being in front of people. People might laugh at me. And we can come up with all these scenarios of why we will please people instead of pleasing God. And inside of all of our hearts, let's be people of integrity that says, it doesn't matter the opinions of people. What matters is I'm living for an audience of one, and I want to be a God pleaser more than I want to be a people pleaser. Here's what I want to do. I want I want to I wrap things up by doing this. I want to give you four benefits of integrity. Here's what I'm telling you, church. Here's what I'm telling you, all of our locations. If you don't exchange your integrity for compromise, there are some benefits. And I want you to see the benefits in the Bible. Four benefits of integrity. Number one is this, God's presence. Notice this in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 24. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into that fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Because these men had integrity, Jesus showed up in the fire. And friends, you will go through the fire. I will go through the fire. We all go through the fire. And what we need in the fire is for Jesus to show up in the fire. Oh, I ought to get a little help in this church today. I said we need Jesus to show up in the fire. And friends, integrity invites Jesus into our fire. 
Oh, you will go through the fire. But Jesus can show up if you're living with integrity. Number two is this, a second benefit of integrity is God's protection. Not only God's presence, but God's protection. Notice this in Daniel 3 and verse 26. It says, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head, head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Friends, these men went through the fire, and not only did their skin not burn, their hair not burn, but the Bible says they came out the fire and didn't even smell like fire. Come on, have you ever been in a fire? Come on, have you ever started a fire, ever started a campfire and roasted marshmallows? Come on, how many know 30 minutes of that and you stink? These men didn't even smell like fire because God protected them. Friends, if you maintain your integrity, you can go through the fire and not get burned. We go through fires, but I'm telling you, there's a God that knows how to protect you in the midst of the fire. And if you will honor God, if you'll live a life of integrity, if you'll put God first and honor him, God can protect you through the fires of life. The psalmist said it like this in Psalms 25 and verse 19. He says, see how numerous are my enemies and how, how, how fearlessly they hate me. Anybody got some enemies? You got some people that don't like you? He says, verse 20, guard my life and rescue me, and don't let me, be, don't, let me be, don't let me be put to shame. Anybody ever try to shame you, try to make you look bad? He says, for I take refuge in you, verse 21, may integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope, Lord, is in you. I'm telling you, you invite God's protection into your life. When you live a life of integrity, he goes on to say in Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 7, he grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. I could have actually made this a fifth benefit because some of y'all lacking it right here. You, some of y'all don't have no common sense, huh? Because <laughs> I didn't say that the Bible said that now. Y'all don't be mad at me, huh? You don't have any integrity and you're lacking some common sense. He says, a treasure of common sense to the honest. And he goes on to say this. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. You see, when you walk with integrity, God knows how to shield you and protect you. And you can go through the fire and not get burned if you will live a life of integrity. Listen to me. Don't exchange integrity for compromise and forfeit God's protection. Whew, don't do it. It's a dangerous exchange. Number three is this. There's a, a third benefit, and that is God's promotion. God's promotion. We looked at God's presence, God's protection. Let's look at God's promotion. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 30. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Because of their integrity, the very king who wanted to kill them is now promoting them. And I want to draw your attention to the intangibles that got them promoted. It'd be easy for me to focus on the promotion, but that's not what I want to focus on. I want to focus on the intangibles that brought about the promotion. You see, because of their integrity, 
they had a good reputation. Because of their integrity, they had a good name. Because of their integrity, they earned the trust and respect of the king. Integrity is a prerequisite to a good name, a good, a good reputation. It's a prerequisite to having trust and respect of those around you. Notice what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 1. It says, a good name is more desirable than great riches. Do you believe that? Your name, having a good name is more desirable. It's really true. Having a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed, to be thought well of is better than silver or gold. I want you to understand that your name matters. Your reputation matters. Your name is valuable. Don't exchange it for compromise because your name, your reputation matters. It's valuable. The writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 7, the name of the righteous is used in blessings. Come on, don't you want your name to be used in blessings? I want people to speak well of you when you pass away and die. Don't you want people to talk, talk well of you and have fond memories of you? It goes on to say, but the name of the wicked will rot. Friends, integrity leads to a good name. It leads to a good reputation. Integrity leads to earning the trust and respect of others. And a good name, a good reputation, trust and respect leads to promotion. I'll hear people say, I don't know why they're not promoting me. I don't know why they don't promote me. Don't they know who I am? But you, you lie all the time. They're not going to promote you. You don't understand how it works. Well, I don't know why I'm not getting ahead. They ought to give me a raise. They ought to promote me, but you go to work late every day. And you leave early. That's not how it works. A good name. I'm trying to teach somebody something today. Priest, pastor, I'm trying. A good name, a good reputation, earning the trust and respect of others by living a life of integrity leads to promotion. And the king saw three men who lived a life of integrity, honored God when it was difficult, did not compromise their biblical values. And he says, promote these men. A fourth benefit, a fourth benefit, a fourth benefit is God's power. God's power. Notice Daniel chapter 3 and verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Notice it says, Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because of these three Hebrew boys and because they maintained their integrity, this crazy king is now praising God. There's power. There's power in living a godly life. Now that crazy king is giving God praise, God can use a life of integrity and he will affect those around you. There are some people that you don't think will ever praise God, but because of your life, they'll start giving God praise. Tony Dungy, the former Super Bowl champion head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, he said, 
we are all role models for someone in this world. And we can all have an impact for good. We can all have an impact for good with a life of integrity. As I was studying this week, God speaks to me when I'm studying and preparing messages. I was reminded of a song by Phillips, Craig, and Dean. They wrote it several years ago. And the song is titled, I Want to Be Just Like You. It's about a dad and his son, his little boy. Here's the lyrics to the first part of the song. It goes like this. He climbs in my lap for a good night hug. He calls me dad, and I call him bub. With his faded old pillow and a bear named Pooh, he snuggles up close and says, I want to be like you. I tuck him in bed, and I kiss him goodnight, tripping over the toys as I turn out the light. And I whisper a prayer that someday he'll see. He's got a father in God because he sees Jesus in me. As I was in this coffee shop reading these lyrics, tears begin to fill my eyes and come down my face this week. The verse of this song goes like this. Lord, I want to be just like you because he wants to be just like me. I want to be a holy example for his innocent eyes to see. Help me be a living Bible, Lord, that my little boy can read. I want to be just like you because he wants to be like me. I started thinking about my three sons, my little daughter. I'm their hero. Thank God I want to live a life of integrity that honors you. Because they want to be just like me. Last week in church, a gentleman walked up to me and he said to me, Pastor, thank you for being a role model. I want to be like you. Thank you for being a role model for me. I thought to myself, Jesus, I want to be like you because he wants to be like me. And some of you have sons and daughters, grandchildren. You've got people at your workplace, at your school, family members. And you're the only Jesus they'll ever see. And there's power in a godly life. There's power when people see a life of integrity and they say, I want to be like you. And God, may we be people of integrity because there are a lot of people all around us that we're the only Jesus they'll ever see. And God, I want to be like you because they want to be like me. There's power in living a life of integrity.
We all blow it. We all make mistakes. But I want you to know today there's a God of forgiveness. There's a God of power that can infuse you with forgiveness and infuse you with his spirit today that you can leave here today no longer compromising, no longer making the dangerous exchange. But today saying, I'm leaving this place living a life of integrity that will honor God.